Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Good morning, everyone. It's Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is my weekly market and economic commentary for the week beginning today, Monday, June 6th. We uh, missed you last week. Uh, We're going to start that over. There we go. Good morning, everybody. It's Monday, June 6th, 2022. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is my weekly economic and market commentary uh, for the week beginning today, uh, June 6th, 2022. As a reminder, this is available as a subscription free. You can get the weekly uh, email with the slide deck that goes along with it, or you can simply listen on my podcast slaying bulls and bears. We make the complex and complicated, simple and sensical. The presentation you're seeing and or hearing is designed for use, whether you are a investment advisor or or a uh, investor. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything is for informational purposes only. Its adequacy, accuracy, and completeness cannot be guaranteed. So, as the headline suggested, stocks had a pretty good year last week. We had big gains in the S&P 500, up 4%. Mid-single-digit gains for, the, for a year would be, would be okay by most of our standards. Mid- and small-cap stocks did even better, about 6%. International markets participated with strong gains from emerging markets as COVID restrictions began to ease somewhat in China, activity coming back to life in major cities like Beijing and Shanghai. The aggregate bond index was down a little bit last week as the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury approached 3%, incidentally, up to 3% now this morning as I'm uh, recording this message. The economic data, I'd say, was largely good. There was an absence of bad data and somewhat Part of this is just stocks rallying off kind of a short-term technical oversold position. You know, as I've said all along, I'm not ruling out the possibility of a stronger slowdown or a recession in 23. I don't think we're going to see one in 22. Demand is just too strong. And we've got these supply chain issues. We've got the job openings issues. Um, Hardly seems likely that we have a demand-based recession anytime soon. So let's get into that data. FHFA house price index. Uh, rose a little less than expected, and I think that was welcome news because obviously that goes into inflationary expectations. Uh, but still, house prices up about 19% on a year-over-year basis. Case-Shiller Home Price Index, another way of measuring home prices, up 21% year-over-year. That one was up more than expected for the month. Houses, uh, housing industry still suffering from supply uh, issues. If builders try to bring new product to market, they are suffering from input cost and labor cost issues. Uh, so it's just, it's all translating into much, much higher home prices. 
The uh, Chicago PMI rose to a very high 60.3. If you remember, we had gotten a Philly Fed and an Empire State Regional Fed survey, that's what this is, uh, that weren't so hot. And then we get, the, we get the Chicago reading, and not only was it above a strong estimate of 55, it came in at 60.3. New orders, almost 60. Production, over 60. Employment, however, still a little bit in contraction, Again, probably not because of demand for employment, because of the lack of supply of labor. Supplier deliveries fell a little bit, that's positive. Inventories up substantially, that's positive. Suggests continued easing, uh, although modest still, of our supply chain issues. The conference board's report on May consumer confidence, uh, we were, it was down a little bit, but better than expected. You can see here, trend down from the mid 125 level down to about here we are 106 uh, suggests that consumers for the most part are concerned and that major concern of course is inflation as we paid seven dollars for a gallon of gas here in san diego county last weekend s p global and ism released reports uh, their pmi reports on u.s manufacturing recall that anything above 50 is expansion S&P Global says that in May, it went from 59.2 to 57. That means it expanded, but it expanded at a little bit slower pace than it did in the prior month, and right in line with expectations of 57 and a half. Um, you know, the higher numbers, say the 60, 59, 60, 61, 62, those can be seen as kind of inflationary. So in a way, even though it's down a little, it's still expanding, this is probably an overall good report as far as investors are concerned at the moment. The Institute for Supply Management report on manufacturing rose to 56.1. It was above expectations. New orders rose. Production rose. Supplier deliveries fell a little bit. Inventories, however, rose. That's, that's an important one because that's where that supply chain issue comes into play. Employment, however, fell. Again, same reason, not demand for employment. This is a supply side issue on employment. Remember, manufacturing is about 15% of the U.S. economy, much bigger, much more important to the U.S. economy is our services, about 85% of the U.S. economy. The S&P Global U.S. Services PMI fell to still expansion territory, 53.4, right in line with expectations. From ISM, continue to see this slow, slow decline, fell from 57 to 55.9. That's still very positive, again, positive growth, anything above 50. New orders rose a little bit. Business activity was down a tad. Employment rose and finally got out of contraction, got over 50. Again, labor supply issues are the word of the day. April construction spending rose less than expected, up 12% from a year over a year on a year over year basis. Job openings, this is where the supply of labor issue keeps coming back to haunt us. One of the major drivers of inflationary pressure at the moment. We had been in April at the all-time high record, 11.9 million jobs, dropped to 11.4 million jobs. That's still extremely high. and comes out to an average of almost two jobs available for every unemployed worker. And so, you know, we're at that point, right, where you can't necessarily find folks with either the skills, uh, the ability to pass background checks, uh, the ability to pass drug checks, criminal histories. We're at very, very few people unemployed. Um, 
So there is an issue. We have to figure that out. And this is uh, the Fed is trying to sort of reduce the demand for labor by uh, slowly hiking interest rates, hoping not to tip the economy into recession. So thinking about this recession, this is this that everybody's talking about, worried about. The worry is not that the economy itself slips into recession. It's that the Federal Reserve pushes it into a recession by raising rates too much too aggressively. But with this many job openings, this much demand, pent up demand, et cetera, it seems to be so far that the Fed is getting um, the nod from the markets that they're doing a good job and that they may in fact uh, have a path to what we call a soft landing, bringing down inflation without actually contracting economic output. Speaking of economic output, motor vehicle sales for the month of May dropped precipitously, again, not because of lack of demand or lack of income from consumers to buy automobiles, but because automobile manufacturers have very low inventories. As such, they're just raising the prices to for the people who absolutely must buy a new car. Um, that's hurting the sales volume. Uh, and the reason they have these inventory shortages is because they can't get the computer chips still um, to manufacture vehicles. I spoke to a auto dealer uh, over the weekend, ran into him at the golf course and said, any end in sight, what's it looking like? And uh, he told me that at the moment, no, they are still looking for cars and computer chips and they're you know, sizable uh, family of uh, dealerships out here on the West Coast. Initial claims for unemployment dropped back to 200. Remember, anything below 300,000 for the week is a healthy labor market. Uh, getting all the way to 200 is extremely healthy, if not tight. Um, and this was the big one, the, week, the weekly report on continuing claims for unemployment. That's the people in the country getting unemployment on a continuing basis is the lowest it's been in 50 years. And of course, the population is much larger than it was 20, 30, 40, and 50 years ago. So it's the lowest in absolute terms, and it's certainly the lowest as a percentage of the working age population in the United States. Um, that's a remarkably strong economy. So it seems foolish to call for recession at this point. It does seem that the market can tolerate uh, Fed rate hikes uh, for the foreseeable future. Okay, so we got both the ADP report and the Government's Bureau of Labor Statistics report on employment. First one was the ADP report. It came out and they were looking for 300,000. We got 128. That's the lowest month of the recovery. Um, they revised down April um, and small companies lost about 91,000 jobs. So is this because of demand? No, again, back to what I've been saying, it's back to supply of labor and the availability of labor willingness to work, willing to commit to showing up daily, on time, all of those things. The BLS report, we call the non-farm payrolls report, had a different story, showed gains of 390,000 on top of a big gain in April. Here, Leisure and Hospitality added 84,000, retail down a little bit, unemployment rate unchanged, and just a little bit of a tick up in the participation rate. So a little bit of a conflict, conflicting message from those two. Neither one of them was an absolute good or bad sign for investors. Uh, what we want to know as investors is we want to know, is the Fed taking the steps? Yes. Are they taking the steps that could potentially be too much? Could they make another policy mistake? Um, we don't know at this point.
productivity uh, is down and labor costs are up. That just means because labor costs are up, productivity is down. So the question is, is that going to end up hurting profit margins, therefore having to revise down earnings estimates for companies, therefore will, will the price of the stocks go down in our portfolios? So far, this graph here shows that the S&P 500 earnings estimate, forward earnings estimate for $227.95 a share, right now is not going down despite the higher labor costs. Could be because demand is so strong in the back end, companies are still able to push through the pricing. But stocks have gone down anyway you know, for fears of recession and you know, you know, uh, realization of higher interest rates, the Fed has increased interest rates. So the green line uh, represents the PE multiple, the S&P 500, it's down to 18, which seems very fair and close to being in line with the 10 and 20 year average. Um, this graph is from this morning where we were up pretty big, about 54 points on the S&P as I, as I grabbed the screenshot for you. But we are not seeing these estimates come down. It's something people keep talking about, they keep being feel, feel fearful of because of the input costs going up, especially labor, but the earnings estimates are just not coming down. We are through earnings season for uh, the first quarter and we will begin earnings season for the second quarter in about four weeks from now, so in, in early, mid-July. Mid uh, we got factory orders for April. They were up a little bit less than expected after a big gain in March. Back out transportation, still up. If you see this factory orders thing, one of the things that I think is interesting about it is um, that it's a volatile series normally. You can see a lot of down months, down and then up and down and up. Since the reopening after the pandemic, it's been almost exclusively up. That's a very unusual pattern. It shows the underlying strength uh, and growth of the uh, U.S. economy. So looking forward over the next month, I think it's going to be kind of quiet, to be quite honest with you here. I think we're seeing China COVID cases are dropping. Restrictions are being eased. As such, China market has been rising. Uh, as you know, we have a position in a China China uh, ETF. Uh, it's been, we purchased it in late January, January 20th for most accounts. It was down, it's down quite a bit. It seems to be rallying back up at the moment and it seems to track along with those COVID cases. So we think that's probably a trend that's likely to continue. Friday this week, we've got the US CPI report. I think this is the potential. I'm not saying it is, I'm not high level of confidence, but I think it has a potential to be a little, little ugly. The consensus is that the month-over-month -month CPI gain is going to be seven-tenths of a percent versus the prior month was three-tenths of a percent. I think that could bring the year-over-year -year number 8.2, 8.3, and coming base effects for the next couple of months are going to make it ugly still. I know I called peak inflation back in March, it's close. Uh, it could be pushed out to September right now. This, this report this week, and if it blows it to the upside and it's really high, then I think the markets could react negatively uh, because it means the Fed's gonna keep raising rates more. If it's modest in line, uh, the markets might say, okay, that's fine. The Fed's gonna do 50, 50 in, in July, and then maybe September could drop down to a 25 point uh, hike. So. Biggest news I think we've got coming up here is, is this. In terms of earnings, no, no big S&P 500 names this, this week. I mean, I, not 
consequential. There's three. There's uh, Smucker's, Campbell's Soup, and uh, Brown Foman. So none of the big tech names, et cetera. Tech's really rallying this morning. The other thing that's out there right now is the administration's talking about trying to figure out a way to give $10,000 per student uh, uh, debt, just basically wipe this debt off. I don't think it would be legal. Um, I'm not a judge, but I do think if they try that, it would be challenged in court. It would go for a long time and they would likely lose. Uh, but if they do that, that has the same effect as you know a couple of hundred billion dollar fiscal stimulus, right? It's the same as giving checks to people. You'd knock somebody has a $50,000 student debt, you knock it down to 40, their payment goes down, therefore they have more disposable income. This is it would be a classic stimulus at a time where you have inflationary pressures and you're trying to actually cool the economy. This is uh, would not be a wise move uh, at this point from a, from a stimulus perspective. Uh, and then finally, we have earnings season coming up um, uh, in, in July. No big economic data scheduled this morning. As I said, markets are rallying. Trade deficit, uh, which has been extremely high because uh, obviously petroleum imports on Tuesday along with consumer credit, wholesale inventories, weekly claims, and as I mentioned, Friday, it's really all about the CPI report on Friday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back to you again in one week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.